This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter. Where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment, and without ado, let's get into the show. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Saks.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Hey guys, welcome to this, to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, I've always been on a quest to get the secret sauce, what makes people wildly successful and why do some people struggle. So in that realm, I boiled it down to four different types of freedom that we all have to work on. Financial, time, location, and emotional and mental freedom. And once I was able to create that secret sauce, I sought out in mentors, people that were embodying the lifestyle and wanted their insights and created this podcast to share it with the world. So today I have a, a very interesting and very experienced guest. His name is Brady Frank, and he comes from the world of dentistry, but uh, he's an entrepreneur, inventor, author, and thought leader, and he has a passion for teaching. You can just tell by talking to him and he's going to be talking about um, creating a business, selling a business, and he's got a lot of um, gems for the physician community. So Brady, welcome. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me on here. I, I'm I'm excited to get going. And Chris, uh, when you talk about the four different buckets of of, of freedom, I, I I talk about it similar. I, I, I talk about total healthcare freedom, financial freedom, clinical freedom, lifestyle freedom, which I think embodies pretty well the, the four types of freedom that you talk about. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing to just connect. You know, there's um, so many definitions of freedom now. Uh, this is not just one. And um, it's always great to hear people's perspective. So tell the audience out there your origin story and what you do. So my dad uh, has a master's in healthcare administration, an MHA. And he would go from hospital to hospital around the eastern U.S., ones that had had negative EBITDA or cash flow. He he uh, worked with one of his best friends in college in a consulting company, did corporate compliance for physicians. And uh, he said, Brady, I wouldn't go into medicine. Uh, I would go into dentistry. So I always had a healthcare background, ended up going into dentistry, but went more into the business side of dentistry. Um, I'm a third generation dentist, but with my dad being in healthcare, uh, 
And so, believe it or not, early on in my career, I consulted and worked with bariatric surgery groups, orthopedic surgery groups, podiatry, chiropractic, all sorts of healthcare. But I also made my first real estate investment in 2001, and I've been investing in real estate ever since, conglomerating healthcare buildings, selling them to REITs for a much higher value. And so, Chris, I know you've done quite a bit of real estate investing. So I thought with both of us being real estate investors, maybe we could talk about how doctors who own their own practice, who are watching this, can actually treat their practice and recapitalize it and gain wealth similar to how you might uh, gain wealth in real estate. How does that sound for a fun topic? Yeah, I know, uh, you know, we had talked about it backstage. So, um, yeah, share your ideas and then that'll open up a lot of questions, a lot of discussion and conversation. Yeah, you know, maybe what we could do is uh, I could draw, map some things out for folks. Maybe can you allow me to share my screen and I'll map a couple things out? Yeah, sure. Let's see here. Yeah. I can mirror. There you go. Go ahead. Yep. So, so I'll, I'll share it in a second after I get going. But basically, a lot of physicians who are still in practice, who haven't gained freedom like yourself or myself, and I did in my 30s, it sounded like you did in your 30s as well, owned a bunch of practices, sold them, had real estate, sold that. Um, but basically, we always look outside of our practices for passive income, for investments. And sometimes, if you can find a way to harness that asset that you, ha you have, if you're an independent physician or an independent dentist or podiatrist or chiropractor, you can take that asset and figure out how to at least get your initial capital that can then be used to invest in real estate or other asset classes. And so... I, uh, they talk about in real estate, the highest and best use, right? Uh, and mm -hmm. that's how to increase the value most rapidly. So the highest and best use for physician-owned practices is for physicians to bring their practices together under one entity or what we call parent co or hold co. Immediately, that valuation of that business goes from here to about here. Because private equity companies that are flooding billions and billions into healthcare right now, moving mm -hmm. out of single family homes because of interest rates, those billions they're spending in healthcare, they want groups of practices together rather than buying 10 of them separately. And mm -hmm. so that's the most powerful thing occurring in healthcare right now, where, where a, a group of healthcare providers get together put their practices together and have a massive, what we call recap with private equity. And for physicians that know how to find that private equity, it's very easy. And the, and the private equity firms are literally bidding and fighting over these healthcare groups, whether it be ophthalmology, orthopedic surgery, like yourself, bariatric surgery, plastic surgery, med spas, physical therapy, so many of them right now. So um, maybe that, that, that'll that get a, get us started for folks that say, hey, I want to move into that passive income realm, but I do have a practice right here, and I want to have the best financial reward from that practice. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, um, which opens up a lot of questions because, uh, you know, a lot of uh, there's five trends that are um, kind of on the verge in healthcare. You know, in addition to AI, there's... Um, there's the mid-levels practitioners coming in. There's private equity. A lot of physicians are concerned. They're like, um, they're like, oh, am I going to lose my job? Um, you know, I'm going to be beholden to another, 
you know, uh, you know, now we're now we're commodities. So tell us, you know, for physicians listening to this, what would what is your response? Yeah. So if you think of that, the, the two greatest threats to a doctor license, AI, okay, and mid-level providers with very low education, oftentimes online education, I hate to say, right? So the best thing you can do to insulate yourself is to get into a niche. And inside of niches, uh, you usually find a very strong fee-for-service component. Uh, so why does that protect you from AI and mid-level providers? Well, inside niches, let me go over an example of a physical, uh, let, let's do a, a plastic surgery group and a bariatric surgery group that happen to add a niche of med spa to that. Med spa is the number one growing private equity funded healthcare business today. Just 12 years ago, there were very few med spas in comparison to today. That number has increased by many hundreds of percentile. So that is an example of insulating yourself by taking your business, bariatric surgery, plastic surgery, even physical therapy independently, and adding a very high growth area of healthcare like med spa that fits all those criteria. Med spa patients fit these, these five criteria. Number one, baby boomers hold 80% of the wealth in America. Baby boomer females are the ones that get med spa treatment. Number two, med spa treatment is largely non-insurance based. It's fee for service, right? Therefore, you're not going to get touched by the insurance trend toward lower level providers, right? That can do it faster, easier for less money because they have very little education. Number three, um, why, why is med spa such a great fit under a lot of healthcare practices? Well, I'll tell you what, aesthetics. America is becoming more and more about what you look like, your image, right? So it's going in a forward moving wave with healthcare in America and, and people's view of them, them themselves. Number four, med spa requires very little overhead. The, uh, yeah, your, 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 your different treatments to the face, whether it be laser or injection treatments, right? All that stuff, you can bolt that on to most healthcare practices for very little cost. And to be trained in med spa is actually lower than a mid-level provider. Right to do Botox injections requires very little education. And number five, biggest one, whenever you get into, you know, Robert Kiyosaki of Rich Dad Poor Dad says you make your money when you buy the asset, right? He says that, but he also says uh, that you, you wanna know your exit strategy before you enter an investment, right? So with MedSpa, we know because it's the number one private equity backed component in healthcare today, that what's gonna happen is you're gonna have a very large exit by putting that as part of your business. In fact, when you add that to your healthcare business, you've now made your other business that much more profitable. It's using your patient base here to, to, to go. So that is the best way to insulate yourself from mid-tier providers and AI, right? AI can't do injections, right? <laughs> okay, and, 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 and guess what? You become the person that hires mid-tier, right? The Botox folks, the laser folks, and 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 so some of those, and that's just one example of a model for for those who are physical therapists on uh, that are on here, um, working in the chiropractic realm, 
is very compatible. For those that are in sports medicine, adding physical therapy to that is a great union. Dentistry with dental hygiene. Dental hygiene, they're becoming more independent. Well, the more the dentist builds up their hygiene department, the better off we are. Chiropractors who hire mid-level massage therapists. That massage therapy is a recurring revenue stream, whereas chiropractic People come in, get their back cracked a couple times. They're good for a while. Massage therapy is that recurring revenue stream. Also, in all healthcare markets, the internal plan, the, the healthcare savings plans, dental savings plan, chiropractic savings plan, where that office has their own continuity program, those are huge to insulate ourselves from insurance mandates, mid-level providers, and, of course, the AI threat. That, that some believe could be detrimental. Yeah, interesting. That's an interesting model. So uh, I know you had mentioned, you had mentioned med spas and incorporating new uh, products and services. In, I know you mentioned plastics, um, ortho and a few others. One of the, there was a recent report, you know, several years ago talking about private equity targeting or bu buying more attractive uh, physician group practices. And that was anesthesia emergency medicine, um, family, and, you know, a couple of others. But, uh, you know, this idea of incorporating the med spa and the aesthetics and um, what other types of specialties uh, would be uh, amenable to, to what you're describing? Yeah, let me give the most compatible ones that have the highest leverage for value. Um, I was just working with someone uh, in New York City that uh, was a regular physician, a generalist, that bolted on emergency medicine, right? Urgent care uh, to theirs. They just sold to Walmart for many, many billions of dollars, right? Um, so you physicians out there that might have a generalist practice, adding an urgent care or emergency care component to that is incredible for, for a variety of reasons, but it's a great practice builder. Um, but urgent care has a very large fee-for-service, non-PPO, it'll accept insurance assignment, but non-PPO component. So, so the hottest ones, and I'll just give you the, the hottest five. Okay. Bariatric surgery with med spa, plastic surgery with med spa, chiropractic with massage therapy, dental with dental hygiene and med spa. And there's a few others in dental. I'm, a, I'm actually a dentist, so I, I know a lot more about dentistry than some of these. Um, another big one is orthopedic surgery with a uh, orthopedic-based urgent care. That's bone and joint, mm. basically. So it, it, and it's pretty much all mid-tier providers in these secondary locations that feed a main surgery center for orthopedics. So you mm. might have one orthopedic surgery center and five uh, urgent care, if you will, bone, you know, a lot of cortisone shots, as you can imagine, right? A lot of that stuff where they're, it's almost a revenue stream very small lease space, right? It, mm. It's cortisone shots. Um, it's uh, oftentimes coupled with a physical therapy department or right next to physical therapy. Great feeders for the orthopedic surgery practice, which then is a very attractive uh, buy for private equity. And I'll, I'll give you one more probable. Anus connected with surgery centers, where the anesthesiology group is actually contracted to do the anesthesiology in um, orthopedic surgery groups, dental surgery groups, oral surgery, 
um, podiatry, and, and, and so anesthesiology groups that have a special niche are very, very, very uh, high leverage in private equity today. So if, if anyone, <laughs> I, I hate to leave anybody out, out Christopher, but if you're, if you're in a certain healthcare niche and you're like, I wonder what Brady would say about mine. I've pretty much seen it all. Just email me at Brady. And I'd be happy to let you know what's working in, in, in your niche. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I know we could have an entire webinar and um, a masterclass workshop. Uh, how do people contact you and follow you, uh, reach out to you? These are really interesting ideas. And, you know, especially how do you position yourself for private equity buyout? And um, how do you get in as an investor, even if it's not your own practice? So, um, and how can they... You you already mentioned your email, but uh, how can they follow you on social media? Yeah, yeah. Um, here's what I'd recommend. You, you'd mentioned how can folks invest in these different platforms. And so I've given you my email, but I, I'd like you to look at how, how I think conglomeration in an in industry is best done. Some folks, even if you're not a dentist, I would go to become to see how my team does seminars in the dentist niche, Okay. And if there's any of you out there that feel like I want to be a presenter, I want to teach others, we will be uh, uh, doing similar things in other niches. So if you're saying, hey, why aren't you in orthopedic surgery? Well, it's probably because we don't have someone we'd love to work with yet. So take a look at what we're doing in dentistry. Become a DSO to dentistry is an MSO to medicine, right? Medical services organization, dental services organization. And all those are, are the non-clinical assets of medicine and dentistry, the private equity companies, that's what they invest into the DSO or the MSO. One last question, you know, before we, which uh, private equity firms are, are the biggest uh, buyers? Is it BlackRock, Blackstone, uh, which, which of these firms are looking at it? Yeah, that's a great question. So a little, little longer answer here, but I think you'll, you'll like it. So there's low, mid and upper, upper tier private equities. The low ones invest 50 to 100 million. The, the mid-tier uh, usually are, are 100 million to a billion. And then the, lar the, the large ones are 1 billion to 20 billion, right? These larger deals. The area that you want to be in is generally the middle tier. 80% of all the private equity companies are in that middle tier, uh, 100 million to a billion. And so that's why when an industry conglomerates they want to build a group of substantial size, but not too big because it's BlackRock and KKR and just four or five others at the very top. They really don't compete. They're actually kind of buddies up there, right? And you're not going to get that bidding war, that auction style uh, component in real estate, right? When you're selling something, you want a few buyers bidding it up, right? Same thing in healthcare. And that all occurs at the mid-level. So right now, there are 51 extremely active private equity companies in healthcare and 80%, which means uh, 40 of those are in the mid-tier space. Um, and, and so, so anyway, there's, there's a lot of Audax out of Boston as a, as a mid-level, Trinity Hunt, or there's, I, I've got uh, contacts with all of them. So if you're in, if you do have a sizable healthcare business, that means your revenue is over three million. You know, I'd be happy to take your email, just let you know what what that would look like with private equity or how large you'd you'd have to grow your business to be able to get there. Yeah, 
Yeah, and very fascinating. And and uh, so let's thank the, for the audience. Let's thank uh, Brady for coming onto the show, talking about the mechanic, introducing this really uh, interesting concept. And um, be sure to follow him on social media and all of his uh, resources will be in the links and show notes. Awesome, Chris. Great to be with you and uh, might have to get you on one of my shows in the future. I'd love to show some of the dental side, what, what y'all are doing in healthcare as, as physicians. And uh, great to meet you, Chris. Yeah, same here. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I hope you really enjoyed that wonderful, inspirational, motivational piece. Again, if you, wherever you are listening, if you liked it, be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe. We're on everywhere. Spotify, iTunes, Google, Amazon, Audible. And without much ado, be sure to thank this show's sponsors, and we'll see you next week.